and gentlemen, most Americans have heard of the famous anti-communist hearings in 1954. Senator Joseph McCarthy, Republican from Wisconsin, loudly claimed that communists were operating in Hollywood and throughout the United States government. They probably were. But they had the New York Times and much of the rest of the media protecting them. The basic PR strategy was to suggest that you would have to be crazy to think they are communists in the United States in positions of power and influence. Now at first McCarthy had overwhelming approval of most of the American people because they guessed what the truth was. But the senator was a bit of an alcoholic, prone to be heavy-handed, and apparently chaotic in his private life. So the stage was set for his tragic fall. A famous Boston lawyer named Thomas Welch, and he was proper and high-toned, took on McCarthy in the lawyer's version of hand-to-hand -hand combat. When Senator McCarthy accused a minor aide of being a communist, Thomas Welch threw dramatic thunderbolts. Open quote. Until this moment, Senator, I think I have never really gauged your cruelty or your recklessness. Close quote. When McCarthy wanted to continue his attack, Welch angrily interrupted. Open quote. Let us not assassinate this lad further, Senator. You have done enough. Have you no sense of decency? End of quote. Note that Welch did not disprove the accusation. He didn't even bother to deny it. He had something better than the truth. It's called righteousness. You act as though you represent justice and truth. You assume that your opponent is a gangster and a nitwit. If most of the media agree, victory is ensured. This strategy worked wonderfully well, and it was clearly the starter pistol for the media to engage in the same campaign for decades to come. You still see righteous articles based on the absurd premise that there was hardly even a single communist in America. What a silly thing to say. Virtually every newspaper and TV station in America trumpeted the new reality. McCarthy was a fool and a drunk, and he was finished even though nothing had been revealed that contradicted anything McCarthy said. Now, as I have studied K-12, I have often relived the McCarthy hearings. As you learn about reading programs that don't let children read, math programs that don't enable children to master arithmetic, content programs that leave students empty of geography, history, and science, and pedagogical gimmicks that virtually guarantee ignorance will prevail, you have to hear the famous words echoing. Until this moment, professors, I think I have never really gauged your cruelty or your recklessness. The education establishment ridicules any opposition to its bad theories and methods. Just as McCarthy's enemies angrily and stridently implied he was crazy. The basic technique was laid out by Saul Alinsky. Open quote, ridicule is man's most potent weapon. There is no defense. So maintain a constant pressure on the opposition. Here's the famous summation in Rules for Radicals. Open quote. Pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it. Close quote. 
In other words, the hard left got rid of Joe McCarthy and effective public schools in much the same way. You may want to dismiss these people, but they are winning. And we are the befuddled country with almost 50 million functional illiterates. Losing. Even as our school system becomes more expensive each year and delivers a more useless product, Americans don't seem to grasp how dangerous and destructive these professors are. As the country is dumbed down, it is weakened, and every individual American is more vulnerable to brutal political reversals as happened in Russia, Germany, China, Cambodia, Venezuela, and many more. The logical question for America to ask our education experts is the same one we have heard much many times before. Have you no sense of decency left? QED, it's time for everyone to reflect on the state of K-12 and then gauge the cruelty and the recklessness of the people who made the public schools what they are. Thank you. Overview. Let's fix education explores seven of my favorite themes. First, this podcast is a meditation on what I call the K-12 crime scene. So many destructive ideas. Understanding them is the key to fixing them. Two, by doing that we will have better schools at less cost. Three, nothing much changes decade to decade. The big questions of the 1930s were the big questions of the 1960s and the 1990s. Any subject we discuss can easily intersect with any other subject. Most people instinctively want traditional education. But the education establishment fills classrooms with progressive gimmicks. The result is that we have a standoff, and that's why you run into the same ideas over and over. Four, the big brains in education keep telling students, don't bother memorizing this or that. You can look it up later. B.B. King, the great guitarist, is much smarter. He said, the beautiful thing about learning is nobody can take it away from you. Five, Lenin's ghost wanders through our school system. The hard left thinks big. If they have to kill millions of people to build their perfect society, that's okay. Same goes for dumbing down millions of students. Totalitarians want power. They will do anything to get it. Six, if we are going to survive, we have to take each child to his or her limit. As it is, we are creating millions of subeducated students from K right through college. Seven, analyzing education, especially dysfunctional education, is a lot more intellectually interesting than most people suppose. You'll enjoy this. Finally, P.S. My book, Saving K-12, runs parallel to everything discussed on this podcast. I also have an education site improve-education.org with 70 articles that complement everything discussed here. And I have hundreds of articles on the internet. Enter a topic in Google with my full name, Bruce Dietrich Price, and let Google make suggestions. Thank you for visiting.